0: Hey, welcome to the pre-roll for Electric Liberty Land, episode number 158. Now, guys, it's the Roaring Twenties. They're back again. It's time for everybody to get slammerty jammered, except maybe me for a couple months since I have a kid coming. But it doesn't mean that you can't join the Lions of Liberty Pride. And for just $10, you're going to get a brand new, free, Roaring Twenties Lions of Liberty t-shirt. Anybody that joins at $10 or higher gets that, and... You don't even have to join at $10. You could join at $5. Just get in there, get that bonus content, get some sweet Do Nothing Man episodes. Of course, you guys heard that last episode at the uh, the second half of my show, my shortened New Year's show. But I do have a brand new origin episode that just came out. And of course, I published those before the general feed gets them. In addition, they just recorded a live conspiracy corner that went out on video to people to our uh, Facebook group. A private group there you can watch us record these shows uh pretty funny stuff and also of course all the bonus episodes that come after the content that we put out so what are you waiting for roar into the 20s www.patreon.com forward slash lions of liberty
1: welcome to electric liberty land here on the lions of liberty podcast your weekly shot of culture comedy and Liberty with
2: your host, Brian McWilliams. See them walking hand in hand across the bridge at midnight. Heads standing at the left, stepping out with the right. Walk right out to a bloodstone track. There's a camera rolling on her back, on her back. And I sense campaign summing in a frenzy all down the line. Walls on film get you re-elected. Walls on film. Walls on film. McCain's ghost excited. Walls on film. Cherry all over the lens as they're filming, and miles of molten shrapnel coming in where they lie. The dying man's coming up for air establishment, pulling Dolly by the hair. No one cares, and we wonder how we ever got here as we go under again. Walls on film, propaganda, bloodshed, walls on film, walls on film, never ending, walls on film. Okay,
0: welcome to The Real Show, guys. Hope you enjoyed that little tune, my, one of my famous, famous parody songs that, uh, take me like an hour and a half to record, and then I immediately hate life and uh, I'm angry that I spent the time doing them. But welcome to Electric Liberty Land episode number 158. Of course, if you did join the Pride, you will get a uh, a cut of that. And also, I am working on, at the request of many listeners and uh, with the assistance of some of our our listeners as well, uh, I am going to be working on a benefit <laughs> a Lions of Liberty benefit album eh, no, and really benefit only benefits our pockets and our ability to reinvest into this podcast. But I am going to put all my songs on. I think probably at this point I must, I don't know, I must have at least 10 or 12. So I've got a good album worth of libertarian parody songs that I can provide. So I'm going to be putting that together. Uh Hopefully compile that and, uh, and allow our magic elves to work on that while I am uh, a little bit predisposed with that, uh, with baby stuff. But, uh, yeah, that'll be another perk for the pride members. And additionally, we'll see, you know, probably offer that up to people that want to join and, and subscribe as a uh, extra fun benefit and bonus for joining us here. So welcome. And also welcome to people coming over from the reason podcast. I know, uh, they have been touting us and uh, we'll continue to do so. So welcome if you're new to the show, and if you're not new to the show, welcome back. Please do share it with a friend, tell people about it. And you know, I haven't asked you to do some iTunes promoting for us. You know, if you haven't left a review, please go on iTunes or go on Stitcher or go on whatever pod catching app you use. Give us a five-star review. Tell them just how great all of us are, but specifically Brian McWilliams. That way I know that you'll have done it at my request. Really talk my my good looks up, my uh, heroic... Television anchor voice never hurts. So obviously, coming into today's show, we got to talk about Iran, right? I mean, what else, what else is there to talk about? And I say that knowing that there's other things I'm going to talk about. But, you know, primarily I do have to talk about Iran on the show. And typically I will try to avoid going into things that I know everybody else is talking about. But I mean, this is the Comedy and cultural events show, uh, you know, we're talking about what's going on in the news cycle and thus it falls on me to cover this type of thing. And I mean, news just keeps coming hot and heavy every day. Like, for example, moments before recording this podcast, the latest news came out that Iraq has been, uh, or U.S. forces in Iraq have been attacked by missiles. These are shorter range missiles and they are already saying that, look, this was Iran taking a uh, retaliatory action against us. This is Iranian TV reporting as such and high-ranking U.S. military personnel saying, yes, we believe this is Iran. Of course, considering the state TV says that they have launched, quote, tens of missiles, uh, you know, whatever that means, I guess, (laughs) I don't know. Let's say, let's say a 27 missiles over at sites, including air bases. Well, you know, kind of a uh, predictable retaliation considering the fact that Trump just assassinated one of their highest-ranking military officials in General Soleimani. Now, if you are new to this podcast, you'll also know that I do not watch television news for the most part. I read everything. So everything that I'm reporting is coming from reading from a variety of sources. You know, our man Howie Snowden, uh, one of the Lions of Liberty, uh, has a background in military intelligence and intelligence gathering. So he gathers up, you know, probably... I mean, Jesus, we must have gotten about 150 links to email news stories because you send these out and I know I'm really pushing the Patreon today, but if you join our Patreon at $15 level, you get all the same emails we get. So every day we get a Lions of Liberty News Digest that goes out. That's where I get all my news from. So I'm just reading, 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 reading every morning for, you know, like two and a half, three hours going through all of the news stories and and pulling what it's applicable. But Soleimani, let's go. Let's start from the top, I guess, is the most e- easily digestible thing to do. We get, you know, there's some protests in Iraq because of a military airstrike that the United States took out on what we, what were reported as Iran backed militia groups in Iraq. United States goes, drops some bombs on them. And who would have thought, you know, some of the people in Iraq said, Hey, that's not cool, bro. You know, and it's, Not necessarily to say that these people want to be governed by Iran. I'm sure some of the people in Iraq probably do have sympathies and would prefer to be governed by Iran. But I think a lot of the people that are protesting are protesting the fact the United States is still in Iraq after overthrowing Saddam Hussein based upon faulty information, based upon misreporting, based upon pure and simple lies from the government to draw us into a war which we are still involved with, even though it's not an official war. We're still over there. We're still fighting missions. We're still uh, messing in their politics, despite the fact that the Iraqi parliament exists. And even today, voted on a, uh, well, not, well, actually, this is yesterday, but voted on a resolution to kick out United States troops, which, of course, sparked a, uh, a letter to come from Donald Trump that was to essentially saying, yeah, you get your wish. We're going to pull out. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Let me Let me go back. So they have these protests from people that are rightly saying, look, you know, we're not approving this military action taking place in our country. You're essentially fighting a war with our neighbor <laughs> and we're, we're terrified. Number one, we're going to draw into this war if we're just not outright opposed to it because we support the military groups that happen to be there and which we may agree with as far as fighters that are more aligned with our cause than with the United States Empire's cause. And the mass protests that have taken place throughout Iraq to protest corruption and protest just the general way the country is going seem to indicate that people there might be more open to Iranian factions and Iranian-backed factions coming in and overthrowing the current government, which isn't serving anybody well. So we got these protests. We've got the Iraqi government killing people during these protests. I think 450 people were killed during the Iraqi protests. You still have the United States taking part in military actions there. You still have them occupying the nation there to this day. So these people protest at the embassy. Trump then retaliates against these protests by bombing outside of Baghdad airport, killing Iran's, you know, the head of the, I'm going to mess this name up, Qud, Qud forces, QUD forces and a man that has been predominantly involved in fighting against ISIS factions while I guess, rubbing Trump the wrong way. I mean, he's a guy that without a doubt has been labeled as a terrorist by Trump and probably by other presidents over the course of the years. You know, George W comes to mind, but is a man who has been fighting terrorists that are our enemies as well over the course of all these years. So what happens is Trump decides that one day he goes, okay, well, since we're having all this discussion about war powers, since the Democrats are finally starting to talk about war powers and reining them in after years of not giving a flying damn when Obama was in there drone bombing American citizens without giving them any sort of trial, uh, without removing any rights to habeas corpus. While that was all going on, they're sitting on their hands, but Trump gets in there. They decide now is the time to rein in the war powers. So Trump sees the writing on the wall. And just as Obama did, he decides that the war on terror, and George abuse reform decides that the war on terror is a very convenient way. You know, it's like going to a doctor and just stealing the script so you can write yourself all the opiates prescriptions that you want, you know, start tripping your butt off on goofballs. Well, Trump's tripping off goofballs in the war sense of the word, because he has found a way to take the doctor's prescription pad, and by virtue of declaring the entire Revolutionary Guard in Iran as a terrorist group, which is what he did, now, under the legal definition of the president's powers to respond during this war on terror time, as by uh, decree in the Patriot Act, which, of course, was re-upped recently, well, he can go over and kill whoever he wants because he's protecting us against quote-unquote terrorists. So, he has a military attack that takes out the general, takes out a, a, another head of a, a militia group that they said was a Hezbollah backed militia group that was there with this general, takes out a couple other uh, citizens, as well as the head of Iran's military communications media. God, I keep having to stop and re record myself, which I hate doing because I keep saying Iraq when I mean to say Iran and Iran when I mean to say Iraq. Okay. Now, the reason they were in Iraq and available for this random drone assassination was because. According to the Saudis and according to reports from Iran, they were trying to meet with Saudi Arabia to de-escalate tensions between them. The United States says this is BS because obviously they don't want to be seen as having assassinated a person working for peace in the region, but that could have very well been what was taking place. Of course, who's to know at this point? Now, what we did see in the immediate aftermath of this strike is number one, You've got Mike Pence coming out and saying that Soleimani is this, uh, this man who is responsible for terrorists. And this is to echo Donald Trump's statements, but responsible for the terrorists who came over on 9-11. So, immediately, we see the world and the, and the wheels of the spin start to go to draw upon, and this is why I've said on this show, I say it every anniversary of 9-11, not because I don't have sympathy for people that died in 9-11, but I say that I can't stand... The fact that we say, never forget the fact that we build this up, the fact that we always make it into this thing, this rallying cry for America to rile up all the jingoism and get the nationalism going and roll out the flag and have all of these things for every possible televised coverage, every sporting event, every news channel, you know, a little icon in the bottom of every major network, because it gives the government an easy way to go, Hey, you know what? Here's how, here's how we can get around this assassination this absolutely illegal act of war, which we have just undertaken, well, we just say that he was associated with 9-11. You know, people hate that. People really hate 9-11. So what they do is they got Pence come out and Trump come out and they go, hey, this Soleimani guy, you know, he was responsible for 9-11. He was responsible for, uh, for facilitating the terrorists coming over here and be able to attack us, which is part true and part false. What is true is that some of the terrorists? You know, there were 19 terrorists in total. Eight of them went through Iran. They got through without having their passports stamped because Iran. I guess they must have made some sort of arrangement with these people, or whoever was working at the airport they went through made some arrangement with these people. But Soleimani is in no way connected to that directly. Uh, there's no way to prove that he was associated with it. And after all that, I don't know. You know, a lot of, most of the terrorists came from other countries. And just the fact that they transferred through Iran doesn't necessarily mean that they are solely responsible or that Soleimani was solely responsible. That being said, who knows? Maybe he was intricately involved. Maybe he said, yep, go ahead, let him through. I'm all for this. Whatever harms America is good for Iran. And not to condone any act of terrorism, but after all of the actions that the United States has taken against Iran, which I want to remind you, is a nation that poses absolutely no threat to us no threat whatsoever to us in any way, you could understand why they would probably look the other way. And it is kind of funny being the United States to look at these actions of other countries and go, well, look at that, that you see that, then looking the other way directly led to us being attacked. When how many times do we directly provide Weapons and armament to factions trying to overthrow elected governments or stable governments to completely destabilize regions from the Middle East to Africa. Well, African Middle East kind of, but (laughs) you know what I'm trying to say. Everywhere across the country, we're providing arms to rebel groups that we think are on our side and inevitably simply turned out to be absolute maniacs. So anyway, the United States says, well, this attack in Soleimani was definitely warranted because he is A, a terrorist. He is B, allowed terrorists to come in and C, we have it on good information, good, good, quote, unquote, good information that he was going to attack U.S. diplomats. Now, Mike Pompeo was the one primarily touting this good, quote, unquote, good information. And Rand Paul's called him out as being full of it. Uh, But I'll circle back around to Rand, who I am not happy with. But Mike Pompeo has been pushing this for a long time, and that is also primarily who Rand Paul has said is the one really pushing this narrative, was John Bolton and Mike Pompeo. So Pompeo comes out and he says, we have an good authority that he was going to attack U.S. diplomats. He's been pressed on that fact over and over again, and to this day, granted, it's only been a few days, but still, to this date, has provided absolutely no evidence, has provided no information to back up his claims. And in fact, if anything, it looks weaker than initially. So it just seems that this man, this Soleimani, was assassinated simply because the United States probably got information that he was not protected, that he was available for the killing. And so he might as well just get to the killing. You know, it, it's, like, uh, it's like in Caddyshack. Well, you better get to the killing. Trump sniffs up to the plate. He's going to knock this one straight down the freeway. And actually, this is a pure violation of Iraq's rights, their sovereign rights uh, to, I mean, to govern what goes on in their own airspace, within their own country, especially considering they have a heavily armed neighbor on that border that's ready to pounce, that already has probably cells within the region. We know that they have militia groups within Iraq already, and this could lead to completely armed conflict, like all-out war. And for an Iraq nation and Iraqi people that were decimated by the last couple U.S.-led wars that have been occupied for all this time, that have already gone through massive amounts of corruption in the government, starvation, just absolute outright deteriorist uh, conditions, you would think that they'd want a little bit of a heads up before the United States took this action. Of course, that didn't happen. In no way did the United States ever give them any warning that this was coming down the pipeline. And now, so we see the Iraq parliament say, hey, look, we're voting to kick you guys out, which they did like yesterday. And then we see this letter get leaked, right? And there, you know, first it comes out and it says that a letter was sent to the Iraqi government from Donald Trump or from a general, an unsigned letter that stated that the United States would be pulling its troops out of Iraq. Now, if you're Iraq, you just voted on this resolution, right? But of course they want to have it measured. They don't want to have all the troops out right now, but they're saying, We want to take control of our country again. We want our airspace back. We don't want any more assassinations to occur on our land that could cause this war to break out. The United States, it writes up this letter saying, okay, yeah, we're going to go ahead and pull out. And then it gets sent to the Iraqi government without any sort of, again, no sort of diplomacy, no warning, no call from uh, Donald Trump to their uh, prime minister, which again, makes you wonder what's going on because it certainly seems that this is some sort of interior coup going on again to undermine Donald Trump, to undermine what they're doing. Not to say that we shouldn't be pulling all our troops out, not to say that the Iraqi government isn't right in demanding that we get the hell out of their country after this action, but it does make you wonder exactly why this was issued when it was. And if, and if anything, what's the intent of it? I mean, is it to make an already bad situation worse? Is it to cause outright civil war? And if so, who issued this? Who put this forward to the Iraqi government? Who leaked it from inside of Donald Trump's or the military organization in order to foment this hatred, this worry, this chaos during a time when we literally may be going to war? Anyway, the letter aside, the next thing that we're talking about here is that Donald Trump, then issues a warning to Iran because Iran says, "Okay, you just took out one of our generals." The immediate response you'd think from them might not be militaristic. It might be to have some you know, sleeper cells associated with Hezbollah attack. And there are reports that there are Hezbollah sleeper cells inside the United States. Maybe they have those attack Americans. Maybe they have other you know military installments attack American civilian installation installations throughout. Iraq, of course, these would be easy to hit considering we've been there for 25 years building up this country, which we destroyed for no good reason. So what does Donald Trump do? He decides he's going to issue a warning to Iran saying that we're going to go after their cultural sites, which of course is a page right out of ISIS's handbook. And ISIS, if you'll recall, very famously went through the countries destroying cultural landmarks, destroying monuments, destroying these beautiful you know, centuries-old works of art that stood in the desert, Donald Trump decides, oh, this is a wonderful idea. I should definitely go down that that line of, of thought. And now if he did, right, and he's walked it back since then, but just from a pure logic standpoint, what would that result in? If we're going to threaten cultural landmarks and civic landmarks for attack, all that means is that we'd be attacking civilians, what would the response to that from Iran be? It's not going to be to attack the military. Iran already knows to attack the United States militaristically, you know, other than these little skirmish kind of firing missiles back and forth. And this is not a very serious attack, by the way, firing quote unquote, tens of missiles at the United States military bases, isn't going to do anything. And Iran knows it. they do not want a full on conflict, but what could very easily happen, especially if Donald Trump ramps up this rhetoric is terrorist attacks. Because if there's one thing that Iran knows it can do probably more effectively than anything else, it would be to strike at the American populace. And you've already got a war-weary American populace that, I mean, at this point, I honestly wonder if more terrorist attacks might actually achieve the stated goal of these people in the first place. You know, 9-11 clearly had the opposite effect. It clearly gave the government all the excuse it needed to continue to attack, to continue to ramp up the military-industrial complex, to continue to keep us in these never-ending wars. But what you've got 43% of Americans in favor of bombing Iran. So the minority, and even that, this is a new poll that came out, which makes me question just how stupid people are that you actually would support assassinating one of their generals out of nowhere. And of course, makes me say, well, this is clearly because of the propaganda that's been fed to the American people over the last 30 years, including the uh, complete idolization of Israel and everything they do, which of course Iran opposes. But you do have to wonder, is Donald Trump trying to gin up these people to response to come after us militaristically or, or come, come after us with these terrorist attacks in order to, A, you know, ramp up his campaign, get reelected, have a reason to do so, as I sang in the, uh, the opening song to this episode, or will it have the opposite effect? Will people get, a, get these terrorist attacks and finally say, you know what, Ron Paul was right? This is blowback. This is what happens when you continuously mess with people. I mean, it's like in the big Lebowski when, you know, you've got John Goodman out there beating the crap out of this guy's Corvette going, see, this is what
2: happens when you screw a guy in the ass. People are going to be like, yeah, this is what happens. This is exactly what happens when you continue to go over there
0: and F people in the ass. Eventually, they're going to come and bash up your Corvette. And we may be at that tipping point in where people might see terrorist attacks happen and instead of saying, let's go to war, let's go get them, they might go, yeah, you know what, this is about right. What did we think was going to happen when we start threatening to blow up their citizens and they can't reach us because Iran is no threat to us. But psycho-converted uh, radical Muslims, they could be a threat to us. People that have lost their children and their loved ones to random drone bombings, they certainly could be a threat to us. there's gotta be quite a few of them after all these years.
2: It's just,
0: uh, God damn. Similarly for the irony, of course, is Trump had accused Obama of going to, basically said Obama was going to start a war with Iran in order to be reelected. Now we've got Trump on this impeachment trail and I've talked so much about impeachment. I don't want to go into it very much now, but it has effectively taken all eyes off of impeachment and put them on what's going on with this, this war, potential war with Iran. So I guess effective for Donald Trump in that way, what it does do though, is undercut his pledge to get us out of these endless wars. You know, there was some hope with Afghanistan. Trump talking about rolling us out of there. The Afghan papers came out, you know, I mean, Hey, is this military conflict one way to get more eyes off the Afghan papers to make America forget about it? if the media was responsible in its reporting which it never is every single article talking about this action would be mentioning afghanistan what a quagmire it was how unnecessary that war was how none of the none of the terrorists came from that region yet we've been there in the longest running american war they would use this as a good teaching moment to say look at what's happening there do we really need more of this do we need to be at war in this region that means nothing even further It's not like you could even say, oh, blood for oil anymore because the United States is energy independent. Between fracking and drilling and all the other technologies that we have, we don't need that oil anymore. So why do we insist on continuing to stay there, continuing to poke this bear? Now, coming around to Ron Paul too. I'm sorry, not Ron Paul, Rand Paul. Ron Paul, of course, is predictably and uh, laudably in total opposition. And Rand Rand is in quasi-opposition, I'll say. Now, Rand Paul did say that this is something that he doesn't recommend. He did say that no action like this should be uh, taken without Congress. But he also, instead of outright attacking and eviscerating Trump as he should have, even at the risk of that friendship, I don't care, this is your issue, Rand. If there's one issue, maybe there's two issues, right? The deficit and war. Those are the issues that you've been the best on. Those are the issues that you've been unflinching on instead of coming out and ripping Trump and saying this is something that is impeachable, instead he goes, oh, well, he got bad information. What a spineless, pathetic, kowtowing response. What a way to give him a way out. Oh, he got bad information from two jerk-offs that we know get bad information and it have been Iran hawks from the time immortal. Like Greek gods on high. Mike Pompeo's been sitting on that cloud, eating grapes and going, screw Iran, yelling it down. But Rand Paul decided to give him an easy out say, oh, he got bad information. Just makes me sick. Actually, you know what? I was going to do a, a whole Pride pride edition of a show I used to do all the time, Rand Paul Lusses and Minuses. Well, here you go. Here's a special edition right here. That is a pure Rand Midas. Now, and the silver lining to this is that the Senate and the uh, the Congress are both talking about reigning in these war powers. They both have uh, bills that are on the table right now that would try to limit the war powers of the president. I know, I think the, uh, the one that's in the House right now, that is supposed to be uh, outlining the fact that all U.S. troops will be removed from iraq except if there's a congressional decree now of course i would be shocked if there wasn't even if this passed even if it passed both both uh houses i still think that it would say well let's keep them there i mean i don't trust that that congress would have the spine to actually remove the troops i don't think that they have uh i mean they didn't show it In regards to the Patriot Act, they haven't shown it at any point with any president, really, to have the guts or the gusto to go in and say, no, no, we're taking these powers back militaristically. It seems to be more convenience, uh, political expediency. As I said earlier, of course, Nancy Pelosi is making a big show right now, but... They did nothing when Obama was, was murdering Americans. They did nothing when Obama was talking about black bagging people, when he's changing the definitions of, uh, of enemies to include, quote, enemy combatants, unquote, here in the United States, which is a broad and indefinable term. Meaning virtually anybody could just be grabbed without uh, having any sort of defense, no access to a lawyer. They only care now because it's politically potent. For them to go after him, since impeachment backfired so fantastically, and it does make me wonder though what Donald Trump's endgame is here, because it seemed like he had Democrats on the run. You know, impeachment had backfired. Uh, there was no way that the Senate was going to move forward with it. They're they're pushing to get the impeachment trial heard because they know that it is simply a farce that they'll easily be able to dismiss it. The House's uh, kangaroo court turned American voters against the Democrats, and yet here goes Trump assassinating somebody and bringing us on the brink of war. And I just don't understand for what, I mean, maybe he knows that there won't be a full war. Iran would be foolish to go to a a full war with America. And we'd be foolish to go into a full war with Iran. It's not worth it for either side. So we're going to continue though, to get skirmishes and maybe it's something where Donald Trump and the military industrial complex got together and decided, well, Hey, this is beneficial for all of us because what we'll do is we'll just keep having war funding and, Donald Trump, despite his pledge to end these endless wars, despite his pledge to, uh, to try to rein in spending, has increased the military budget every single time he's been able to do it. And just, you know, little skirmishes back and forth. There you go. Open checkbook. It also is another reason to stay in Afghanistan. It's another reason to push more into Syria. It's another reason to uh, increase our presence in Africa. It is the New Year's gift to the military industrial complex that just keeps on giving but I just don't know if it's going to resonate with the American people. And that's what I'm just, I'm completely thrown off from it. And I, I just, it's a move that doesn't make any sense as opposed to why I am, a, I, I am to this entire concept morally and from our libertarian sensibilities practically, because I try to think of it from a public relations perspective. I try to think of it from a messaging perspective, a tactical perspective. It doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. But you know what does make sense? Tuning into the Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast. Yes, the Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast featuring our very own, well, not our very own, a friend of ours, Pete Mance Raider, AKA Pete Quinones. I'm, I'm back to saying his name wrong. <laughs> My New Year's resolution. Uh, but Free Man Beyond the Wall. You've heard me talk about it before. I highly recommend you check it out at freemanbeyondthewall.com or anywhere you can download podcasts. But of course, Pete is not only a podcaster. He's not only a meme maker.
2: Heartbreaker, meme maker, libertarian thinker, won't you take a piece of me?
0: Uh anyway, I went off a little tangent there. But not only all of those things, but also, of course, Pete is over at the uh the Libertarian Institute as the managing editor, posting fantastic content there, in addition to doing all of his fantastic interviews with his podcast. So check that out. Free man Beyond the Wall, freemanbeyondwall.com. Okay, that is enough of that. Uh, you know what I want to talk a little bit about? Two more stories. I want to talk about Ricky Gervais. And his uh, outright war, a war I do agree with, which is the war against PC culture, the war against woke culture. And Ricky Gervais, for the fifth time now, has hosted the Golden Globes. And actually a smart move by the Golden Globes, because even though the celebrities hate it, it, even though all the mainstream media hates it, of course, by, by mainstream media, I mean left media, even though they hate it because he comes out, he doesn't give a damn, and he takes shots where shots need to be taken, the Golden Globes has him back. Now this is a great from a perspective of getting people to tune in because the golden globes, since he has been hosting actually have maintained their viewership. The Oscars have been plummeting because people don't like the woke BS. They don't like the host. They don't like being preached to over and over and over again. So those ratings drop golden globes hold pretty steady because people want to see what Ricky Gervais is going to do when he's up there hosting and they know he will not pull punches. Now, A lot of you know Ricky Gervais from The Office. He created the UK version. What you may not know is that he created that at about age 40. So he's at the age I am now, when The Office got picked up in the UK and became the smash hit it did. Gives me a lot of hope as an aspiring screenwriter myself that there's great things to be had in the future. (laughs) Not only with Lions of Liberty and Do Nothing Man, but with other things, hilarious things that I'm working on. But before that, Ricky Gervais had worked in a lot of offices is where he got his experience. He was pretty much a grunt. He's a working man. So he did not have the celebrity lifestyle of, oh, you're of a lap of, of leisure. You're a, a child of nepotism of so many of these scumbags are. And it is shocking. I mean, living in this town, when you actually start to dive deep into how people got their starts, uh, starts where they go, because look, if I'm being perfectly honest, I view most actors as completely uh, just, you know, you can replace one with the other. Most actors have a fairly decent level of performance. You know, you're not going to get something especially magnificent out of one as opposed to the other. Granted, there's exceptions. But when you see rappers get popped into movies all the time and just pick it up like nothing, it goes to show you it ain't that hard. Most people could do it fairly easily. And that this is more of a chance for opportunity than talent in the majority of circumstances. You know, like Gwyneth Paltrow, Steven Spielberg's niece, for example. Uh the chick that was you was know, it Brian Williams the disgraced Brian Williams yes he uh, the man that made up all sorts of stories as the anchor for NBC news his daughter was on girls and now has since gone on to have a career. it's just all nepotism so it's nice to see man who'd come up he had a great concept he managed to work his way he managed to pitch it and it became incredibly successful probably because he had such an authentic experience. As opposed to all these celebrity actors, these morons that roll themselves out there that have no real connection or concept to how everyday people live and never have, and then go on to tell you how you should live your life in the most ridiculous way possible that, of course, would never impact them and their millions upon millions of dollars living in their gated communities with their armed security. And he is not shy about sharing that point of view, by the way. Uh, Ricky Gervais's Twitter, uh, while not... Not, you know, it still has got a lot of the lefty stuff in it because he is still very liberal. He's still uh, very left, but he is at least practical in his thinking and has not bought into the whole cancel culture, the woke culture. He is an avid defender of free speech, an unabashed defender of free speech. So to see him come out is wonderful. And I wanted to share a little bit of his Golden Golden, uh, Globe speech and then respond to a bit of it. So I'm going to play a little of that here. And then uh, I'll tell you a little bit about some of the responses from the crowd after that, too, because that's, that's part of the fun. And suffice to say, all of the left write-ups for his performance were predictably outraged, were tr- predictably chastising or pearl-clutching, depending on the jokes.
1: So here, let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to the 77th Annual Golden Globe Awards, live from the Beverly Hilton Hotel here in Los Angeles. I'm Ricky Gervais. Thank you. Um, You'll you'll be pleased to know this is the last time I'm hosting these awards, so I don't care anymore. Um, I'm joking. I never did. Um, NBC clearly don't care either. Fifth time. So, I mean, Kevin Hart was fired from the Oscars because of some offensive tweets. Hello. (laughs) Lucky for me, the Hollywood foreign press can barely speak English. And they've no idea what Twitter is. So I got offered this gig by fax. So let's go out with a bang. Let's have a laugh at your expense, shall we? Remember, they're just jokes. We're all gonna die soon and there's no sequel. So, yeah. Remember that. Um, but you all look lovely, all doled up. You came here in your limos. I came here in a limo tonight, and the license plate was made by Felicity Huffman. So, no. Shush. <laughs> so that was one of my favorite jokes of the entire evening. And that's where you're
0: going to see a lot of the people that write articles about this. They go, Tom Hanks' face. Oh, my God. Because Tom Hanks, they cut to Tom Hanks. <laughs> and Tom Hanks was absolutely enraged that that Ricky Gervais dare to make fun of Felicity Huffman. But I'm sorry, Felicity Huffman used her privilege. She used her connections to weasel her child into a school, getting in over somebody else by virtue of a backdoor way facilitated by her fame and by her wealth. (laughs) Why would she be off the table to make fun of? And that is a great joke, by the way, because people thought he was purely going to go the avenue of, look, we're all rich. You people are rich. We're all coming here in our limos to be, to be feeded. So let's all make fun of ourselves and take a step back. And then, bam, <laughs> hits them with the brilliant joke about the limousine's license plate. That is a well-crafted joke that I understand why people would be shocked, but it goes to show you how disconnected these people are, where how dare he make fun of one of their own in one of the most publicized stories of 2019. And for a woman, all of these people talk about privilege. They talk about white privilege. They talk about people of, you know, that have money and that have taken advantage of minorities over the years. What do you think you are? If you're not the biggest hypocrites in the world, I don't know what you are, so you should, if anything, be able to point and laugh at somebody that's of your own class, taking advantage of the privilege, and getting screwed because of it. Okay, let's get back into
1: it. It's her her daughter I feel sorry for, okay? That must be the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to her. And her dad was in Wild Hogs, so... Lots of big celebrities here tonight, I mean legends, icons, yeah? Look, at this table alone, uh, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, but... <laughs> Baby Yoda, uh, oh that's, that's Joe Pesci, sorry. Um, I love you man, don't have me whacked. Um, but tonight isn't just about the people in front of the camera, in this room are some of the most important TV and film executives in the world. People from every background, but they all have one thing in common. They're all terrified of Ronan Farrow. <laughs> He's coming for you. Uh, He's coming for you. Oh, uh, The awkward silence. That's what I love about that
0: joke. All of them know that, you know what? They could be coming for me. Because all these people have done some of the most shady shit you can imagine. And they know that they're affiliated with Weinstein, that they're affiliated with all sorts of people that operated just like him, and that half of them in that room went along with what he did in order to get ahead.
1: I just love the awkward murmuring. Look, talking of all you perverts, it was a big year. It was a big year for pedophile movies. Um, surviving R. Kelly, Leaving Neverland, Two Popes. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I don't care. I don't care. Many talented people of colour were snubbed in major categories. Um, unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about that. The Hollywood Foreign Press are all very, very racist. So... (laughs) Fifth time. So... We were gonna do an in memoriam this year, but when I saw the list of people that had died, it wasn't diverse enough. It just... No. (laughs) It was mostly white people. And I thought, nah, not on my watch. maybe next year let's let's see what happens no one cares about movies anymore no one goes to the cinema no one really watches network tv everyone's watching netflix this show should just be me coming out going well done netflix you win everything good night but no no we got to drag it out for three hours you could binge watch the entire first season of afterlife instead of watching this show that that's a show about a man who wants to kill himself because his wife dies of cancer. That's and Gervais it's still more show, fun than this, okay? Spoiler alert, um, season two is on the way. So in the end, he obviously didn't kill himself. Just like Jeffrey Epstein.
2: Boom, shaka laka
0: laka Ah, did you expect a Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself meme inserted verbally by Ricky Gervais into the Golden Globes? God bless you, Ricky Gervais. I mean, talk about ballsy, man. Dropping that in. If you thought the Harvey Weinstein joke was ballsy, if you thought going after Felicity Hussman was ballsy, now he's still enough to Jeffrey Epstein. And the, the, I didn't want to, uh, to step on the next follow-up line, but it gets even
1: better. Shut up. I know he's your friend, but I don't care. <laughs> Shocking about a laughter for that, by the way. You had to make your own way here in your own plane, didn't you? Right, but seriously, most films are awful, lazy, remakes, sequels. I've heard a rumour that there might be a sequel to Sophie's Choice. I mean, that'd just be Meryl Streep going, well, it's got to be this one then. All the best actors have jumped to Netflix and HBO, you know. And the actors who just do Hollywood movies now do fantasy adventure nonsense. They wear masks and capes and really tight costumes. Their job isn't acting anymore. It's going to the gym twice a day and taking steroids, really. Have we got a, have we got an award for most ripped junkie? No. (laughs) No point. We know we'd win that. Um. Martin Scorsese, the greatest living director, made the news for his controversial comments about the Marvel franchise. He said they're not real cinema, and they remind him of theme parks. I agree. Although I don't know what he's doing hanging around theme parks. He's not big enough to go on the rides, is he? It's tiny. Right. The Irishman was amazing. It was amazing. Um, It was. My, my It was great. Uh, long, but amazing. Um, it wasn't the only epic movie. Once upon a time in Hollywood, nearly three hours long, Leonardo DiCaprio attended the premiere, and by the end, his date was too old for him. So.
0: <laughs> now, by the way, it was pretty funny. It was Leonardo DiCaprio actually turned around after that joke. And I believe whispered as pretty funny. So to his credit, even though I find Leonardo DiCaprio insufferable because of his eco preaching and everything else that he does, uh, he at least took that joke much better than most celebrities would have.
1: Even Prince Andrew's like, come on, Leo, mate, you know, you're nearly 50, son. Um, The world got to see James Corden as a fat pussy. It was also in the movie Cats, but no one saw that. Um, And the reviews, oh, shocking. I saw one that said, this is the worst thing to happen to cats since dogs, right? (laughs) But Dame Judi Dench defended the film, saying it was the role she was born to play, because she... I can't do this next joke. (laughs) Because she loves nothing better than plonking herself down on the carpet lifting her leg and licking her... (laughs) Yeah, of course, he said ass. Ferbal. Ferbal. She's old school. Um, (laughs) It's the last time. Who cares? (laughs) Oh. Apple roared into the, the TV game with a morning show. A superb drama. Yeah don't use it as a, a platform to make a political speech right you're in no position to lecture the public about anything you know nothing about the real world most of you spent less time in school than greta thunberg so if you win right come up accept your little award thank your agent and your god and across is and then fuck off <laughs> so
0: <laughs> it's already 3 hours long So that was basically it. Now, you know, from then on, he he did a little bit more during the show, but that was the primary push. And as you can see, it was glorious. I mean, he calls people out. There were no punches pulled, which is what comedy should be. You know, we're in an era right now where everybody's trying to be so sensitive. Nobody can make fun of this. Nobody can make fun of that. Everybody has to be diverse. No, you make fun of whatever's funny. Whatever strikes you as hilarious or whatever's going to call out hypocrisy, that's funny. And making fun of these douchebags That is funny. I mean, especially the brilliance of calling out Apple and Disney for what they have done. I mean, you see all these people, they're protesting people in Georgia wanting to ban abortions. Now, I personally will share that I am pro-choice, even though I've got a kid on the way and I've told my story about how my wife literally told me that we were having a baby as I was typing in the Lions of Liberty Forum about how I believe people should be able to get abortions. That is a 100% true story, by the way was a little bit awkward at the time, but I do believe that you should have a choice. Now I also quantify that by saying, I believe that there should be a limit though. I don't think, you know, not like governor Northam in Virginia. I don't think you should be able to have a baby up until the thing is basically popping out of the womb. I think that there has to be a cutoff for that. I think that the third trimester is a a rational point to do it. Whenever the baby is viable outside of the womb, I believe that that is the cutoff no more. However, I do you think there should be a choice? So, when all these Hollywood people said, Oh, we're pulling out of Georgia because they want to ban abortions, the hypocrisy was on display. Because they say that while going to work for corporations that are working in China, which is, of course, a communist government that is putting its people in camps for their religious beliefs, that is squashing rebellions, that is, you know, fighting against the protesters in Hong Kong that want to have some independence, that don't want to be under the, the absolute oppressive eye of China that can be extradited for anything China makes up in order to, to put them in the gulag, to punish them for their political activism, for whatever else they want to do. They happily trapes off to work for Apple or to work for Disney or to work for any of these companies. They happily change their scripts to be able to make them play in China. They happily go and act and edit out and, and record different lines. Some that play here, some that play in China because they can't question free speech in Chinese films that kind of thing. So it was great, great to see. I also love the shot at Greta Thunberg. I mean, Jesus Christ, ridiculous the amount of adoration this girl gets. I think it's hilarious that Meatloaf called her out. (laughs) And while Ricky Gervais didn't go so far as to say, look, climate change is a scam, I do like that he's pointing out that this is a child. This is a girl who has been, yeah, he didn't say this, I'm saying this. This is a girl that's been brainwashed into believing what she believes, whether it is true or not, her parents have brainwashed her. Her handlers have brainwashed her. She's not in school right now. She's traipsing around the world on luxury yachts, on in first class on trains, on private airlines. She's not anybody to be respected and believed as an authority. She is a mouthpiece. And yes, these people have less schooling <laughs> than than she does, especially a lot of these top celebrities because their parents force-fed them, again, these nepotistic parents. They sent them to acting schools. They put them in the business when they were children. They weren't getting the best of education. They were simply trotted out there and able to live their best lives with no need for real education. So well done, Ricky Gervais. Uh, Last thing I want to talk about, then I'm going to end this show a little early. I uh, I pledge to do a longer show next episode, guys, because it's been a couple shorties in a row. Uh, But before this baby pops, I'll give you a good long show next time. I just got to get worn down reading 45 different articles on Iran. I just I didn't have time to uh, to read all the rest of the news to get it in for this show. But next week we'll do a wider array of stories for you. But one thing I do want to share with you is that the Covington Catholic kid, the face of the the face of hatred in America, according to CNN and the Washington Post and several other students Yes, the one and the only Nick Sandman, enter Sandman, has won and settled his lawsuit with CNN. We don't know exactly how much CNN has paid him out. However, he sued the network for $275 million in May over supporting over their vilifying and bullying him, uh, which, of course, is completely justified that he's suing them. Uh, just talk about a network taking a story, editing it selectively, running with a narrative that was absolutely despicable for a kid who did just about the best job I have ever seen in my entire life of keeping calm, of avoiding conflict and confrontation in the face of people who were racist and the people who were aggressive and the people who were trying to elicit a violent response from him. So good job, Nick. Hope you never have to work again, buddy. Send somebody to the lions of Liberty. You can join at the hundred dollar level. Come on, get on it, Nick. All right, guys, that's it from me, Brian McWilliams. And by the way, I know I toned it down a little bit on this episode. It has a little bit of cursing in there. Uh, a little less. I went a little less uh, crazy because you know me. I like to go crazy on this show. I didn't want to shock our Reason listeners who were just tuning in for the first time. But you know what? If you guys are new to the show, trust me, it gets a little whacker from here. gets a little more extreme from here. You're going to love it. You know, this is like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. You know, you're going to come in. You're going to be like, ooh. I don't know if I like that or not, but I'm a little bit titillated. And then you come crawling back to good old Brian McWilliams and Electric Liberty Land for another dose. So, reminder to listen to Mark Clay on Mondays with our flagship Lions of Liberty show. He just had uh, Jay Beaver on talking about, uh, well, Jay's a pretty interesting guy, talking about cars, talking about uh, L.A. and California laws, talking about like, the way they're waging war on the automobile and on all of us by virtue of regulation, taxation, and uh, ticketing. But that was fascinating. That's on Mondays. Listen to John Odermatt on Fridays, Felony Friday, I would argue our most important show here talking about real life stories, ramifications, people fighting against, people fighting from within the criminal justice system. Make sure to check that out every Friday. All right, that's it. Me, Brian McWilliams, the Lions of Liberty, Electric Liberty Land, reminding you to always stay plugged into liberty.